was so encouraging last week when we had the baptisms and so many people came out to witness these baptisms and last week we had the testimonies of three of the four who were baptized and and just to hear what God was doing in their lives and now briefly today you see these families that came up here and we had two others that weren't here today and we'll welcome them later that God is doing something that is in each of our lives that is meant to change us and to not only change us, but isn't it encouraging when you see and hear somebody else's testimony? Isn't it encouraging when you know that God is working and moving and doing something in other people's lives? And isn't it a blessing to know that you get to be a part of that? And yet, at the same time, we don't just rest in that. We don't just come here on Sundays and sit down and go, oh, right, you know, great, we're having another party on Sunday, and it's just good to be together but rather God is bringing us together for a purpose so that we might be agents of his light and of change in the world. And it's not just enough to be baptized, and it's not just enough to become a formal member of a church. God has more for us. He has was, uh, what we would call for us unknown serendipities, surprises, blessings, and gifts. And so I want to encourage you to be open to God and what he has for us. And one of the most important ways that we are open to God and we seek and we just reach out to him, say, Lord, what do you have for us is through prayer. Now, so often we, we look at prayer as what we get, right? We ask God for things. But prayer is also an opening up to God to receive the things that he would have us to receive. And so this coming Friday, we do have, as you see, and as Dwayne mentioned, our uh, prayer fellowship. And the prayer fellowship happens every other month on a Friday night. And we do it at that time because we know that for most people, that's an easier time to come. And it's a time for us to come to pray for the whole ministry of the church. And this coming Friday, we're going to be praying specifically for each of the major ministries of the church, like youth group, like Promised Land, like Couples Garden. And we're going to be praying for the things that God is doing in their midst that we might be a witness to our community, that we might be encouraging one another. But we're also coming to pray for those who have special needs and for those who have any unique special prayer requests that you would like to have private prayer for, we will also have that. And that will be with the elders that will be there. So if you have some special needs that you don't need to share with everybody, but you would just call the elders aside on Friday night and we would pray with you and we would pray for you. And so please, if you can, if you've never been to a prayer fellowship, you will be blessed because God will be there. And God will be hearing us and we'll be opening our arms to what he has for us. So I encourage you to join us this Friday at 7.30 at Irvine Press and, and to be part of that, that part of this week as we serve the Lord. Well, we're continuing in our series on it's all about Jesus. And we're continuing through the book of Mark to understand what God is doing in Jesus and in the world so that we might be people who are walking with Jesus. We're people who are walking with him where he's going. And so today we're going to see that Jesus is walking with his disciples and he's encouraging them to join him while he's going into this boat. So he's inviting them and he says, come on, let's get into this boat and we're going to go on a trip to the other side of the sea. That was the Sea of Galilee. And so going into a boat can be kind of fun. These guys are fishermen, and I know we have some fishermen here who like to, to go out on their boats and catch fish, and that's great. I know some of you, you know, actually maybe even own a boat and enjoy the ocean and enjoy the sea, and, and that's wonderful. Um, and how many of you have ever been on a cruise? 
How many have been on a cruise? Most of you here, many of you have been on a cruise. And I've been on a number of cruises, and those are always great. And, but one of the things that's sort of boring that always happens at the beginning of a cruise is, is what's called the muster. And, and that's when you have to go to a certain station, and it's, a, it's basically a drill in case the boat sinks, all right? And so, you know, you begin this, and you have to go to a station, and they give you your life, your life vest, and oftentimes you go and meet over by the lifeboat that you would go into. And so I remember on many of these occasions that the captain will come across the PA system and he'll, he'll want to reassure us. He goes, you know, this is only a drill. This is only a drill in, in the, you know, very unlikely event, you know, possibility that we might need to use the lifeboats. But I want you to know, I want you to know that everybody, there is enough lifeboats for everybody on the ship. Because you look, and there's thousands of people, and there's only like, you know, a dozen lifeboats. And, but he assures you, he goes, you know, there's a, the lifeboats are big enough, and we have enough life vests for everybody. And so he wants to assure us that everybody's going to be fine when they get into this boat. Now, now God's going to ask us to get into some boats sometimes where there aren't going to be other lifeboats. And God's going to ask us to get into boats, events, circumstances, and places sometimes where we're not going to have any life vests. But like the captain of the cruising ship, God would say to us, you're going to be fine. You're going to be safe. But you've got to stay in the boat. You've got to stay in the boat no matter what because I am there with you. I am there with you. And Jesus, as is said by some people, is the captain of our souls. And he is not going to go down with the boat because the boat's not going to go down. But that's not always easy, is it? There are difficult times in our lives. Circumstances that suddenly happen that we don't expect. Crisis. And we want to bail. We want to get out. Or we're so afraid that we don't even have a choice. We don't have to get out. The boat's just going to go down. Well, as we look into our story today of Jesus, we look at Mark chapter 4. And we're actually going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 in particular. But we're also going to be referencing chapter 5, verses 1 through 43. So I encourage you to bring out your outline or open up your Bibles, and your outline will have not only the verses um, that we're going to study in particular, but on the other side, if you look, you'll see the rest of the verse scriptures are there, and we'll be referring to them later. But would you read with me uh, verses 35 through 39, verses 35 through 39, uh, there on your outline? And let's read it out loud together. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Jesus 
invites us into the boat. Just as Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. He was inviting his disciples into this boat. And even though a storm came, this is our first point for us, so important for us to know, so that we are able to go through the trials. And that is this, is that if Jesus is in your boat, you will never sink. If Jesus is in your boat, you will never sink. Now think about it. It was the Lord's command for them to go to the other side. Let us go to the other side. And the weather was probably good at that time, and, and they left the crowds, and they got into the boat. They were following Jesus, and that's usually what happens with us too. You know, it's usually during good times. It's during the smooth sailing times. It's when the weather looks good, and Jesus says, come and follow me, and it sounds good, and so we go. And we get into the boat, and we give our lives to Jesus, and we trust him, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, something bad happens. You weren't expecting it. An illness, a relationship problem, an accident, some crisis, something bad happens to somebody you love. Yeah, like, I wasn't expecting this. And sometimes we think, you know what? Maybe this storm has happened because I've done something wrong. I think that's our normal reaction to things. Bad things happen usually to bad people. That's what we think. But that's not true. Storms happen in the lives of disciples, of followers of Jesus, when they obey him. It's not just because you've done something wrong. Now, there are times, of course, we see in the Bible where storms do come upon people when they are disobedient, like Jonah, right? Jonah was very disobedient. He clearly heard God's voice. God told him to go to the city of Nineveh, and Jonah said, I don't like those people, so I'm not going to go. And he just ran away from God. But he knew, he knew he was being disobedient. And God sent a storm into his life to bring him back in line. Now, that does happen, but usually in those times, we know we're being disobedient. But in this case, for all of us, there are times where we're being very obedient to God. We are doing his will, and storms will come. And so the storm comes upon this boat, and it's common in the Sea of Galilee for storms to suddenly happen at certain times of the year, and certainly at this time. The Sea of Galilee is about 690 feet below sea level, and all around are ravines and canyons and mountains. And so the winds can suddenly come up over the mountains and through the ravines and bring a storm that's disastrous to many people that are out there. And they would have drowned. They would have drowned if Jesus wasn't with them. But Jesus was with them. In fact, Jesus was asleep and with them. And, they, and they, they look around and they see the storm happening and they go, where's Jesus? And they look and he's asleep. He's sleeping on a cushion. And they go, Jesus, don't you give a hoot? Maybe they didn't say hoot. Don't you care what happens to us? And Jesus wakes up. And he calms the storm. And they don't sink. While well, the boat was rocking. And the boat was churning in the sea. The disciples didn't have, they didn't have peace. They didn't have what God wanted them to have. But God was showing his authority. 
And this is where we get the confidence that our boat will never sink, is that Jesus commands authority, just as he said to the waves, be quiet, be still. So he can say the same thing in other circumstances of our lives. Jesus commands authority over nature and over the storms. He also commands authority over other things in this world and in our lives. And one of the things that assails all of us is evil. We have an enemy. And there is evil that assails us. And, and so as we look on beyond chapter 4 and we look into chapter 5, we see that Jesus also commands his authority over devils and over demons and over all evil. Let me read for you verses 5 um, through 8. And if you turn your outline over, that'll be on Monday's scriptures. And so these um, scriptures on the backside are for your devotional life. And again, I encourage you, like maybe keep them at the kitchen table, read them before you have a meal with the family. And there's a couple questions there that you can ask and answer. But if you look on Monday, I'm going to read uh, verses 5 through 8. And it says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And Jesus got out of the boat, so they made it to the other side. A man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Then he saw Jesus from a distance. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. God is in control. And his authority is over all evil. And we see a lot of evil in this world. We can see a lot of problems that are around us all throughout the globe. But God in his sovereignty is in control. And to all those who would turn to him, even those assailed by evil, he can cast out the demons. He can overcome the evil easily. And he can bring us into a place of rest. He can bring us into a place of freedom. He can bring us into a place of quietness. So just as Jesus said to the storm, quiet, be still, there are times that he would say to those who are facing evil times and difficult circumstances caused by evil, be quiet and be still. And just like this man who is possessed by a demon, so Jesus' power is available to all of us as well to give us peace and to deliver us from that evil. If we look down into Tuesday's passage, the beginning of Tuesday's passage, looking at verse 15, or looking at verse, uh, beginning at verse 14, Jesus had sent the pigs, had sent the demons into the pigs, and he had delivered the demons out of this man who was possessed by thousands of demons. There were 2,000 pigs. And the pigs all began to run off. And it says, those tending the pigs also ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. 
God will deliver us from even evil circumstances. God will save us. God will help us. God will bring us into a place that will help us to be free and like this man, to be able to sit quietly at the feet of the Lord. God's promise is for all of us because that's why Jesus came. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, the Bible says, since the children, that would be us, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives are held in slavery by their fear of death. Isn't the greatest fear that we all have, the fear of death? And God delivers us from that fear by his authority because he has destroyed the destroyer. He has destroyed the evil one. He has destroyed the one who seemed to have the power over death. But now Jesus has overcome death and gives us life. And he promises us, he promises us on his own authority that he will always be with us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, Jesus says to us, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? God has authority in our lives. And therefore, if we stay with Jesus and we stay in the boat and we follow him faithfully, we can be certain we will never sink. The second thing we would want to know is what Jesus does for us while we are in the storm. What can we we hold on to? We can hold on to the fact that our storms, it's in a time that it is hard, but it will not last forever. It won't always go on. There's going to be an ending to the storm. So when Jesus said, quiet, be still, though it happened there in an instant in the disciples' lives, it is a promise that it will still happen in our lives as well. Now, in different Bibles, these words, quiet, be still, are translated in different ways. Some Bibles, like the King James, says, peace, be still. In the New American Standard, I like what it says. It says, hush, hush, be still. And these words, be still, actually, if you were just literally translated, it says, be muzzled, be muzzled. And so it's like Jesus commanding a dog when he says, quiet, be still. And the storm ends. Your storm will end. Not only will you not sink, but your storm will not last forever. It may feel like forever. You may suffer for one week and go, well, that's not so bad. But then it goes on to into a month, and you go, well, it's sort of getting hard now. It goes on for a few months, and you're going, wait a minute, what's going on here? It goes on for a year, and you begin to really doubt. And it continues to go on, and you wonder, Lord, how long? Why? What is going on? Isn't this too long? Do you think, like, suffering for 12 years would be a long time? Yes, I think we all would agree that a dozen years to suffer would be a long time. But as we look into Mark chapter 5, we see a lady who had suffered for 12 years. Her storm had lasted for a dozen years. Let me read her story to you. And that's on Thursday, okay? So Mark 
chapter 5, beginning on the second part of verse 24. So Jesus has already taken care of the pigs. Jesus has already taken care of the demons. Jesus has already brought his disciples safely to the shore. And now it says a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. If Jesus is in your boat, your storm will not last forever because Jesus will command peace. He will command peace. Just as he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In Jesus, when he's in our boat, we are promised God's peace. And this is a peace that is of inner tranquility. It, it gives us poise. It helps us to know that we are going to be okay. It is a time that even while we are going through the trial, we will continue to have peace because we know the promises of God, that he gives us his peace. He's given it to us before, because prior to the storm, we had peace. So we know what we've experienced before. And his promise is that because he has done it once, he will do it again. Because he is a God of peace. In Titus chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says to Titus, and Paul's writing to him, to Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. It is through knowing Jesus as our Savior. It is having the grace of God that we have peace from God. It is God's grace that gives us peace. It is a gift from him. But it must be received by faith. We must believe it. We must accept it. In Romans chapter 5, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to have faith, just as this woman had faith. Daughter, your faith, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. We need to have the faith to receive what God gives to us. And then we also need to have that which gives thanks to God. Giving thanks to God is a means of experiencing God's peace. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, Paul writes, And let the peace of God Rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, because you're part of one body. And I think this is very instructive, especially on a day that we, we welcome 
new members into our midst. And we think about what it means to be part of a body. There are times when we are not going through peaceful seas. There are times where we don't have peace inside. And what God has provided for us to attain and to have and to enjoy this peace by faith is to share it with the body of Christ. I know that's not easy, but it's required if we want that peace. We have to be willing to open up and let other people know we're hurting. We have to be honest with people and let them know there's a crisis in our life. As it says right there, I mean, Paul's just saying, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And it's interesting because then he also relates that peace to the fact that you were called to one body. And that body is the body of Christ. I would say that many of us forfeit peace because we don't share it with any other person. God wants us to find peace in the body of Christ. Not try to man up or woman up or suck it up. Not try to hold it in and and figure it out ourselves. Not try to, to hope until it goes away so we don't have to share with anybody while we remain suffering and don't have peace. God would have us to share that with other people and to let other people know the problems that we're going through. We don't have to share it with everybody, but we have to have the courage to share it with somebody. And God says, share that with somebody who's part of the body of Christ. Now, of course, Jesus in his body is all that the body of Christ is. He is the head. And so this woman knew that she had to share it with Jesus. And she had so much faith that she has so many people around her. And yet she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And she was. But then Jesus knew power had been taken from him. And so he did something to her that I think God does to us too. He gives us an opportunity to confess our need publicly. And again, we see the same thing happening here. Just as it's important for us to share with people in the body of Christ what our problems are so that we can have the peace that we want. So Jesus has this woman confronted in front of this huge crowd and says, who touched me? And the woman said, I touched you. And she was trembling with fear. But she confessed, Lord Jesus, I'm the one you healed. I'm the one who was bleeding. I'm the one who was hurting. And she gave testimony to all the people. And so this gave joy, not just to her, but to the whole group. And so when we have peace and we share it with other people, it's a blessing to bless other people with as well. When someone comes to me and shares their problems with me, it is a privilege and it is a blessing to be able to share that with them. And they feel a little bit better because they've shared it with somebody. And God doesn't want you to just, I don't want you and I don't want you either to come and all share that with me. I want you to share it with each other. I want you to learn what it means to be part of the body of Christ in this way and to know the peace because we are all going to go through storms. And God has put the body of Christ in our boat to share that with one another. And if we really, really want to be real, then we've got to be willing to do that. And, and I know we can have a lot of things, oh, I'm just an introvert and I don't want to share with anybody. I'm just made that way. 
I'm just a quiet person. I don't want to embarrass somebody, and I don't want to, you know, it's like hard. But in reality, what we're saying is, I, I don't really have courage. I, I don't really have faith. I, I don't really want to take the risk. And God says, I'm here to heal you and to give you peace. God has made my body for this purpose, to share it with each other, to care about each other, and to love one another. God has given us peace, but he wants us to share that peace. He will command it. But we must share it. God will conquer our fears. He will conquer our fears. But that doesn't mean that he will always end the storm. They may continue for a time. But he will always conquer our fears. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, Paul himself was going through a really hard trial. He was going through a difficult, difficult time. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, Paul says, three times I pleaded, I prayed with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul was being an example to his flock. He wrote it down, not just for them, but for us. That Paul was saying, I had problems. I had hurts. I prayed, and my prayers weren't answered the way I wanted it to. They were answered the way God wanted it to. And God didn't heal him of his illness, but he conquered his fears of it. And God will always conquer our fears, even though we may still need to continue to go in the storm. He will be with us. He is the reason why fears are overcome, not because he ends the storm, but because he is with us in the storm. And that is our third point, that if Jesus is in your boat, he will conquer your fears. If Jesus is in your boat, he will conquer your fears. Again, Verse 40 and 41, you have that there in your outline. Would you read it out loud with me? Verse 40 and 41. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. God wants us to know that he is the one whom we ought most to be fearful of. It's interesting because when Jesus says in verse 40, why are you so afraid? The word for afraid there means timid or faithless. But in verse 41, when the Bible says that the disciples were terrified, which is another form of fear, the word literally means that they feared with great fear or they had exceeding fear. God is the one we should fear and not the storms. But the fear that we have for God is a fear of trust and of awe, a knowledge of his greatness 
and that he will end the storm. That our faith is not placed in, in water pumps or in life vests or in lifeboats. It's not placed in any human or science or invention. It's placed in a person, in God Almighty, in the creator of the universe, in the one who commands all power and storms, who commands all devils and demons, who commands every circumstance that you and I could come into. He will conquer our fears by his presence and by his person. And when he's with us, we have this awe and this sense of fear that is a good fear, a fear of love, a fear of respect, a fear that wants to do what he says is right to do because we want to please him, because he is a God who will take care of us. And knowing that he will conquer our fears can give us hope. And so Jesus not only commands authority, Jesus not only commands peace, but Jesus commands hope. Jesus commands hope. You know, like when somebody walks into a room and they're very strong or they're very beautiful, you go, wow, you know, that person, that person really commands the attention of people when they walk into the room. But when Jesus walks into our lives, he commands these things. He commands authority. He commands peace. And here we see he commands hope for his disciples. And yet at the same time, he also shows us tenderness and love. And so this fear that we have for God is also a fear of a loving God, an awe and respect of a compassionate God. As we continue in the reading of, of, the math, of Mark chapter 5, we look down at verse 35 and we see the story here of a little girl. And so when Jesus had gotten off the boat and they had finally landed, not only was there that large crowd with the woman, but there was another man named Jairus. And Jairus had come, and he had come to Jesus, and he had wanted Jesus to bring healing, not for him, but for his daughter. His daughter was dying. And so Jesus said, yes, I'll go with you. And they began to walk over and to be with the daughter. But while they were walking over there, some people came. And so we read this in verse 35. They're walking to go and be with his daughter where Jesus might heal her. And so the Bible tells us in verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. And she was 12 years old. It's interesting that Mark take, makes note of the fact that she was 12 years old. The woman had suffered for 12 years, and that seemed like a long time. And this girl was 12 years old, which didn't seem like enough time. And maybe there's something in your life where you feel like it's just ending too soon. There's just 
is too soon for this to die. It's too early for this to happen. It shouldn't be happening now. And Jesus ministers to that type of concern and to that type of storm. And he tells us this. He says, don't be afraid. Just believe. In other words, Jesus commands hope. He commands hope in our lives. And this is the challenge for you and for me whenever we're in these storms, whenever we're in these boats, whenever we're in these trials, wherever we're in dark places. He says, don't be afraid, have hope by believing. Believing is a means by which we have hope. It is amazing that Jesus shows us such tenderness and love after showing us such power and authority. And he does both in our lives as well. And here, the Bible says that Jesus spoke in Aramaic, not Hebrew and not Greek, but Aramaic, when he says, Talitha hum. Aramaic was Jesus' own childhood language that he would have learned in Nazareth. And he comes in love, and he probably remembers like what it was like to be 12 years old himself. And he remembers his own language, and he has love for this family. And he has power to heal. And so he says in his native language, little girl, I say to you, get up. And I want you to put your name where little girl is. And as we conclude this sermon and as we pray that this is what God is saying, if it was me, he says, Curtis, I say to you, get up. Put your name whatever trial you may be going through. And remember that whatever trial you may go through, it is him, it is him alone, it is Jesus who conquers our fears. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us that exceeds all expectations, a love that we do not deserve. And so you say to us, don't be afraid. Just believe. There is hope. Lord, we put our names there now. and We think of what you might say to us, as you might have said to this little girl. I say to you, get up. Get up and have faith. Get up and believe. Get up and serve. Get up and eat. Get up and trust. Get up and know that I am in control. Your life is in my hands. I love you. And I'm with you. And I will conquer all that you're fearful of. And so I say, get up. Lord Jesus. In your name.